If you like what you're hearing on the phillytech.org netcast network, please consider supporting the network with a small monthly donation via patreon.com slash phillytechorg. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash p-h-i-l-l-y-t-e-c-h-o-r-g. And thank you in advance. You're listening to the Social Media Addicts Podcast on the phillytech.org netcast network. Sponsorship provided by Get Flywheel, optimized WordPress hosting at getflywheel.com, wistia.com at w-i-s-t-i-a.com, and Zoho Mail. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Social Media Addicts Podcast. I'm Seth. And I'm Howard, and I'm still here. Why wouldn't you be here? (laughs) I don't know. I could have not been here. I could have been someplace else. Well, that's a deep thought. Let's thank our sponsors um, briefly at the beginning, um, Wistia, Flywheel, and Zoho Mail. And if you'd like to contribute to this show, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash org. all on word, and every little bit counts. Helps us support the show and keep things running. So, let's just jump right into it, Howard. So, Facebook. Let's jump in. So, Facebook agrees to do more to help com- combat hate speech in Germany. It's a good thing. The challenge that I think Facebook yeah. has, and all these major companies have, is as they expand into global markets, they still think that they're a U.S. company. And, and in Germany, especially because of the whole <laughs> Holocaust thing, you mention anything about the Holocaust in a negative way, you're thrown in jail. Yeah, it's, it, it, it's not it, it's not totally free speech over there. Honestly, they should do more to combat hate speech in the U.S. Too, in my opinion. Yeah, part well, of my wacky hair as you see me patting. <laughs> you know what the interesting thing is, and this is something that I've been kind of thinking about for a lot of years in terms of all these companies expanding. Um, at this point, our planet is so interconnected that corporations and governments are going to have to start agreeing on sort of a, a general set of rules. And that might mean that, you know, businesses have a certain set of rules that say, hey, look, you can operate this way. And in order to enter this country, you have to comply with this set of rules before you go in as opposed to afterwards. Um, Because there's a part of me that says, well, look, you know, Facebook is Facebook. They're a U.S.-based company. And if German citizens want to use it and it's being used, that's very different than saying, hey, look, we now have an office in Germany the internet kind of puts all those connectivity issues to say, you know, where where do the laws apply? Because if it's different laws in one country as in another, um, is that too much for these companies to have to re- realistically deal with? Um, or is it, no, this is just the, the way we have to do it, so. Absolutely, I mean, there's not much more to say about it. I mean, they have to deal with, if they're gonna be in that country officially, they need, yep. to, they need to apply with those laws. And sometimes it's a little sticky because some countries' laws are a little more um, archaic or, uh, um, what's the word, a little bit more stringent. Like mm-hmm. if you go like in Turkey, there's a lot of stuff going on that people don't necessarily agree with. I mean, Google left China for the main reason because the censorship laws were too much for them. Right. They had to make it, and these companies had to make a – they had to have a moral judgment call on this is whether or not you – you, whether, sorry, I'm the game of migrants. My brain's working a little <laughs> slow today. Whether or not you comply with those laws, 
or you stick up to your morals and say, hey, look, we're not cool with this. We're leaving. We're not going to be in this country. And right. I take a hit on your bottom line, but it's your morals and what you stand for. Well, and, and again, that's the kind of thing where you have to determine, hey, if we operate in this country, how are we getting revenue? Because if we're not getting revenue because we operate in this country, we might say, look, in, we're not going to bother trying to comply with these laws because the laws in this country are exactly the opposite as the laws in this other country. The engineering problem is too great. You know, how do you get certain things uh, programmatically? to work so that they don't have to fight and say, well, if you're here, like if I have a friend, a friend in France and a friend in Israel and a friend in Germany and a friend in Turkey, well, how does that work? Because Facebook has to say, well, your privacy works a certain way or your compliance works a certain way or the way we monitor things is a certain way. So eventually there's going to be sort of this, mess, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a mess. And I, you know, there's a part of me that wants to say, look, we have to kind of decide that whatever country they're operating from, that that's sort of the, the home base rules, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, they could do something that says, look, if you want to operate another office in our country, then you have to do that. But if you say, look, our offices are all here, we can't stop people from your country going to our site because it's the internet. That's how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a... That's a that's a big hurdle, and then we're going to have to work on that because we got to get a lot of countries and a lot of companies to kind of get to the table and talk talk about these things. So exactly. Well, on a more positive note, Facebook is working with Google to let mobile web users get push notifications via Chrome. So first off, let's just start. Facebook is working with Google. Good deal. They should. Good deal. And the idea of using getting push notifications via Chrome, I think it's. Though sometimes they get annoying, but the fact that you can get push notifications in the browser is kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, you can, as long as you can moderate how many push notifications you get, yeah. They do get a little haywire at times, but I think this is, I think this is good that they work. These two big conglomerates are working well together. Well, and my hope is, um, as a user of Facebook, that if I'm using Chrome and push notifications are coming through my Facebook experience, I don't also want to get those same push notifications on the phone. So yes. I think there's a little bit of a, oh, look, you're logged into Chrome right here, and we're sensing that's an active session, so we'll give you the notifications here, and we won't push them to your phone. Mm -hmm. And that's you know that's a tough balancing act. That's That's always been one of those, like, I'm willing to get one version of the notification. So the question is, will I like it on the browser, on the phone, or can they manage that? Um, but here's the other thing that I think is, you know, pretty pretty great about all this. Um, the fact that Facebook and Google are working together on this. Mm -hmm, um, that's cool, which yeah. I think it's, you know, frankly, I think it's a sign that Google's saying, okay, we're not really good at social, and we're not winning here, so let's Work together. Let's, let's work, work together. Them. Let's mm -hmm. make. Let's you know. Let's try to do some integration. So maybe Facebook and Google can figure out how to play nice together in a positive way. Yeah. Well, here's something that's annoying about Facebook. So yeah. We went from, we went, we went this from, is our Facebook block. <laughs> Facebook block. So we went from you know censorship on Facebook to Google and Facebook working together. Now Facebook is going to make it harder to avoid your annoying friends' terrible parties. Yes. Essentially, what they're doing is they're making red receipts. Yeah. So if you looked at the party, you didn't respond, they can say, well, why didn't you respond? Right. Why didn't you respond? Well, why didn't you respond? Why didn't you respond? Exactly. So I get why they're, why, why they're doing it. Yeah. I can see why they're doing it, but I can also see why people would be really pissed off about it. 
Yeah, this is one of those things where um, there will be a privacy setting that trumps yet another privacy setting. Um, and, you know, people are going to have to figure their way through this. Um, I get invited to events all the time. And I don't even look at them. You, that's, well, the reason why, that's the reason why I never made it out to the Trader Radcliffe thing, because I right. never look at them. Well, and those, but it, again, it's those kinds of things where if I, if someone invites me to something that I'm definitely not interested in, um, I, it's almost like I try not to say no to it. I actually try to do the remove, like, hey, get me off this invite list because I don't want to be, I don't want to be talked into it. I'm, I'm just not interested. So I'm officially off the list. Yeah. Um, because if you reply no, Facebook doesn't necessarily get rid of that from your experience. And if you apply yes, it's on your, or if you, if you don't reply it, it's on your calendar until you tell it, hey, no, get this off my calendar by, you know, taking it yeah. off. So this is another, this is one of those, hey, Facebook's being a little bit more annoying. They're trying to make it so that events are more social. I get it. I understand it. My hope is that there is a privacy setting that says, by default, don't show my response on face on events unless I actually respond. Yeah. So, and, and again, those are the kinds of things where, you know, thank goodness I've got almost every single email from Facebook turned off. Yeah. Um, except for the ones that I want, because I don't even want to have them have a some kind of uh, uh, little pixel that lets them know that I looked at the email. The same way email marketing programs will track open rates, that yeah. that open gets tracked through the email that they send about the event. I mean, that would yeah. just be like, come on, people, you know, nerve wracking, exactly. But you know, what isn't nerve wracking, and and who's also amazingly awesome is our first sponsor, Wistia. Yeah, Wistia. They are awesome. Wistia, what is it? Well, I know what it is. It's a web hosting platform for video, video and analytics. That means we can get more out of our online video. Businesses get more out of it because they're actually getting uh, really good data, uh, really good storage and speed and things like that. And it's much more professional than YouTube because it's not going to serve somebody else's ads on your video. So, we, understand, we get a much better sense of how our content's being used and downloaded and who's downloading it and things like that because Wistia gives us that uh, data. Wistia also has a lot of free resources, how to make better videos, how to use microphones and lights and all kinds of things like that. Um, those free resources are just part of the, you know, the community of Wistia. Um, and it's a really nice community, uh, great videos. They also have a free version of their service so you can try it out. It allows you to host up to 50 videos of whatever content that you are making. Uh, so definitely check them out. Go to the link in our show notes so they can let you, so we, so you can let them know that we sent you to them. Um, whatever that is. That works, yeah. <laughs> it works. So uh, great product. Definitely check them out. And uh, we like them. And that is wistia.com. Com. <laughs> Anyhow, Square now lets you tweet political Square now, now lets you tweet political donations. So Square, which is the, um, Jack Dorsey's company, Jack yes. Dorsey, Jack a, Dorsey is now awesome. Jack Dorsey is now part of is now the interim CEO of Twitter. And essentially, <laughs> you can you could say I contributed to this campaign via Twitter via Square. Correct via something this tiny. <laughs> yes, actually through the app. I'm sure not using yes. that. It's still uh, campaign finance reform. 
Well, and they've got a whole I, bunch I of FEC, FE, uh, the Federal Election Committee regulations as part of it. So it's like, in order to do it, you have to fill out the right information so that, you know, it's there. Again, these are the kinds of things where uh, the the election starting in 2008 and then again in 2012 showed that micropayments was a realistic way for people to donate. Donating five bucks, ten mm -hmm. bucks, things like that where people are like, you yeah. know what? And it and it does it definitely it's adds a hat up to the campaign saying, hey, I don't have a lot of money, but hey, right, there you go. And um, and I think about it this way: if if people donate a little bit, and that allows you know millions of people to move politics, I'm very much in favor of these small donations as opposed to saying, oh, look, one person just donated, you know, half a million dollars. Therefore, they're going to get a lot more influence or many more millions of dollars, depending on things that run amok. So I think it's a good thing. They're going to have to work out how all this stuff works because people are going to be confused and they're not going to know and they're going to say, well, wait a second, how did, you know, uh, can you imagine getting retweeted for your political donation and that getting submitted, you know, like 10,000 times? But it's not, doesn't work that way, but... Yeah, that's actually a little bit iffy, yeah. So... Well, yeah, it's, 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 a valid, it's interesting how technology is moving the political process forward. Both ways, a little back, a little bit forward, a little back, a little forward. So yeah, here's something that's interesting, something completely different. Apparently, a jeweler in Boston is trying to sue an anonymous woman who left a one-star Yelp review. First thing that's wrong with this is that you're suing someone for a bad review. That's, Suck it that's up number and one. Maybe, and maybe fix your service so you don't get a bad review. Number two is anonymous. She's anonymous. You can't sue someone who's not known. That's number two. Number three. Yelp is known for getting rid of those things for you. Why don't you write Yelp and say, hey, can you remove this for me? Because Yelp is not, it's not beneath Yelp for removing bad reviews for you. Exactly. And I think what makes this very interesting, um, when you look at the case you law are, and all the different things. He says, you are a Yelp terrorist. Right, exactly. Um, Continue, Howard. This, you know, this is one of those things that um, the whole nature of a review site is People should be allowed to post their experience, and that's great. I've always been very critical of Yelp that Yelp will, you know, they'll let some reviews stay and others go depending on whether you're a paid Yelp merchant or not. If Yelp said, look, our policy is as follows. Reviews that are over a year old are deprioritized. We are going to keep the top, you know, the most recent mm -hmm. 50 reviews. So if you have old reviews, we're going to let those fall off naturally. Now, those old reviews might be really good reviews, but they also might be really terrible reviews. So, you know, let's do it in a way that's predictable. Yelp is a little bit unpredictable. Now, They're a little sleazy, in my opinion. It, well, I agree with I'll, you. I'll say, it, I'll say it. Yelp is sleazy. A little bit sleazy. The interesting thing is... Um, I like the ability for someone to be able to post an anonymous review and for Yelp to investigate it and saying, okay, we believe in the validity of this review. There's nothing wrong with it, and we're not giving up this person's identity because it's an anonymous review. Mm -hmm. Now, when I see an anonymous review on a site that doesn't have a name attached to it, I am suspect of that review. Yeah, I mean, so, or if it says Linda G, and like, which, right. you know, I mean, so it's... Like, yeah, take it for what it's worth. It's an anonymous review that you can track. I mean, I know when I look at Yelp and I see an anonymous review, I'm like, eh, I'm not going to look at that. When I go on Amazon, someone says anonymous. I'm not going to really trust that yep. review because I know that that's probably someone pandering. You know? well, and regardless, if you mm -hmm. can't stand behind the review that you make, like, 
Why should you? I've reviewed things on Amazon where I've said, I think this product is terrible. This isn't work. This didn't work real well. I sent it back. The customer service was great, but it wasn't a particularly good product. And, you know, at least they made good on it and refunded yeah, my money. So instead of giving them a one star, you give them a three star instead of a five right. star. They got good customer service. The product sucked. Right. But the idea is someone reading that review, if it was, if the review was by an anonymous person somewhere in America, they're just going to go, oh, I don't, who knows Next. what that's going to be. Yeah, exactly. Um, Again, if the merchant is so quick to say we need to sue in order to get down a bad review, they are actually doing the Streisand effect where they are validating how awful they possibly are instead of saying, as you said at the very beginning, let's fix our service, let's fix this issue, or let's respond to it in a way that says clearly we have a, you know, a misunderstanding. You know, we try to do X, Y, and Z. You know, please come, like, please come in. Let's get this right for you, and you know, do it in public. Fix the mistake in public, and then it's it's like del- it's like going back to deleting your tweet. You know, yes. you shouldn't delete your tweet. You know, or deleting. You know, this game rid of bad reviews. You shouldn't delete the bad reviews. You should respond to them. Yep. So, yeah, moving on to something that is positive yet again is our next sponsor, Flywheel at getflywheel.com. We love them. They're our hosts. And tell us more, Howard. Well, Flywheel, when we talked about uh, Wistia before, that's um, that's a video analytics platform. Flywheel is a managed WordPress hosting platform, and it's built specifically for designers, creative agencies, web developers, so that we make, well, Flywheel makes it really simple to launch and manage client sites because it is WordPress-specific. That means they have great load times, WordPress-specific security, and the most important part is their team of support, which is a WordPress knowledgeable team. The company tell you, oh, this thing isn't working. You'll just have to disable all of your plugins. They can and look at it and go, go back. Yeah, I've heard that one before. Right. Um, everything will work. Just disable all your plugins and all your themes. Okay, well, that's not going to work because that's not our site. Um, Flywheel uh, support will actually help you and they'll figure out what's going on and where the issue is and how, you know, what does it need to be done. So it's real support for WordPress as opposed to, hey, we can reset your server and hope that the site still runs. So what I want you to do is go to, uh, oh God, it's, I'm just going to say go to our show notes and click on the link there. Sign up for Flywheel wow. today. They're pretty great, it, especially if you have WordPress sites that you need to work with your clients on. Yes, and the one thing I like about them is because they're WordPress-centric, they'll actually help you debug stuff. Mm-hmm. More than the other companies. I mean, I in Bluehost, for example. Correct. I mean, was, no, they, they've been helpful to a point on some of the sites I have over, over there. But eventually, they hit a brick wall and said, "We can't do any more because we're not. We don't know WordPress that well." Right. These guys eat, live, and breathe WordPress. Definitely. They're going to they're figure out the problem and fix it for you. End the story. So, exactly. what is this? All right. So, our next story is welcome to the block party. Uh, it's it, the internet after ad blocking. Enlighten us, Howard, since I only read through this tome a little bit. <laughs> and this article is a little bit of a tome. But it's a little, is, it's a little bit long. But again, this is something where it really talks about the nature and state of ad blockers and how it really impacts the Internet. Um, you know, on one hand of the issue, and I'll kind of, you know, put it, encapsulate a little bit. On one half of the issue is the experience of the Internet. Ads in their current state, I don't want to say they wreck using the internet, but they really make it not fun. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to, you know, whether it's research thing, read an article, shop for products, look at different things, the ads are so intrusive and have gotten to such a level of 
you know, the number of different kinds of ads that are being served on any given site and, you know, how intrusive they are, it's, it's a little bit ridiculous. I, up until about three months ago, I never used ad blockers because I fundamentally believed, look, that's how they support the content. It got to the point where the ads themselves- the takeovers. They were, it was taken over and I was going, I can't, I, I just can't be in this environment. It's too, you know, there are certain sites that I won't use anymore because the ads are just too intrusive. Or, or, they, or they slow down the site so much yes. it, it kills your computer. Exactly. A website should not kill your computer. And I, I had a last straw, which was um, the ads that were in my fitness pal, which is a standard app, but the ads that were there on their uh, Chrome experience, they were flash based. And some of those flash ads were malware injected. And oh so, my God. Yes. So, and that? this is on a big site. So all of a sudden it was a, a script malware that basically put the browser in an infinite uh, reboot loop. Um, oh, I, I knew that what was going on and I was able to fix it. And I said, okay, well, Goodbye. I I can't. You know the first the funny thing is the first thing that I did was I said all right well I have to install Adware because I use this site every day, and I've yeah. got to block all these ads and say you know what that's not I, I've always believed did you, did ads you write, support. Did you the write content. them? Did you write them? And tell them about it. Yeah, and they knew about it, and that was something where um, if you remember a few months ago when uh, Google stopped uh, there were certain ad networks where they just said. Flash ads are gone. They're just being converted to HTML5. That was in response to some of those ads that were going on. This was a, it was a pretty wide. So my fitness pal knew about it, and they're like, "Oh crap!" And like, yeah, you know. oh, they knew about it in a big way. And um, so I wasn't the only one. It just happened to be that they serve ads from an ad network. They don't, they don't have control over they, those they ads. They don't let them yeah, exactly. So yeah. So what I really hope that happens, and part of the reason that this uh, article is here, is. I think that it's time that some of these content providers that want to use advertising as their support, they have to actually start doing more than just a simple piece of code and embedding ads that they don't control. They have to embed an ad that they track that actually right. they, they can control. So if there's a script kitty in there, they can get right. rid of it. Well, and again, that's the part of if the site is serving the advertising content, there is no third party content. Mm -hmm. I can serve they're, they're getting lazy. Is what, right. what it is. They're saying, give me money and I don't want to work for that money. Right. You can put whatever ads on my site. You'll do it based on whatever content's on the page and you'll serve it up based on what the you will follow the users around. But you can do whatever you want on our site. And in a, in a, in a, in a utopian world, that's brilliant. I don't have to do that much work to do that and focus on my content. Wonderful. Right. But, but the risk is exactly. the risk is that all of a sudden Users are going to say, this is ridiculous. I don't want this content. I'm actually, I'm really interested. To, uh, this is one of the things where uh, one of the photography sites that I go to, uh, it's called fronosphoto.com. Uh, great site, great content. Uh, Jared of Fronos Photo, he redesigned the site. Well, not he, but for, for his company, he got a web development company to redesign the site. And he pulled out so many of the ads. And all of the ads are ones that he serves. So there are no third-party ads. It's it more is more work. work. But what he said was, look, if you're on my site, here are the things that you'd be interested in. And I've made deals with, you know, Atomos. I've made deals with Alan's camera. I've made deals with Squarespace. Like, he's got uh, Adorama Picks. He made deals with things that photographers would be interested in. So he's saying, look, if you're interested in photography, here are the ads you're going to be interested in. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're going to put up here. And if you want a special deal, here's the link to get you that special deal. Mm -hmm. It's exactly what Twit does. Yes, what tech does. So exactly what we do. 
Yes. These, are, these are these three sponsors that we have, you know, Westia, Flywheel, and Zoho Mail are, are services that we use. And, and then Leo has gone on and started saying, hey, look at this mattress company. Right. This other stuff, it's a little weird that he's advertising non-tech stuff. Yep. But it's stuff that I actually said, oh, I want a Casper mattress. Or, oh, I, I use most of the stuff I use technology-wise, like mail route, was a Leo Leo. Recommendation. Recommendation. And I'm like, and I put in this keyword and I'm I'm using it now. ProXVN, my VPN provider. Exactly. You know, I'm like, I actually switched from my current VPN provider to them because Leo said they were a good company. Yeah. And I look at it this way. Advertise useful things in a way that benefits you, not the current garbage that comes out. Increase the value of your content with good ads. Well, because then I'm gonna go to that site because I know. These, this is what an ad looks like. I don't mind if I'm reading an article that there's a block in the middle of it that says sponsored content, but that that content was an image that they effectively served. I don't mind that. In fact, I often will look at that and consider that ad a lot more because it's not, it's really not affecting my experience in a negative way. And I think what's going to happen is more and more people are going to block things. And you know, you see what Apple's doing with their news app as that comes out. Uh, tomorrow, the the OS drops, and we're going to yeah. start seeing some of that. Um, there are things that are going to happen that are going to force people into the move that says we have to host our own ads. Otherwise, our revenue is going to drop. And you know, again, this is one of those things where the internet will find a way, and the users will find a way to make it better for themselves, and the advertisers will find a way to make it better. Absolutely. Everyone will move and shift. Um, but again, the whole concept. I mean. I use Privacy Badger. I used to never use it, but now I use it. Privacy you, Badger is so good that it blocked Hangouts. They block parts of Hangouts because there are certain things on Hangouts that are being tracked that it said, eh, I don't think you should have that. So I, I was like, no, off. I want that. No, I want that. Why? I have to turn that off. Um, so, and I could probably go in and figure out what Google component is being used that is being blocked, that was blocking the camera yeah, access. Yeah, you just turn it off for a little while and turn it back on. Exactly. Know? And again, those are the kinds of things where Privacy Badger says, well, I'll... I'll unblock it for Hangouts, but I'm going to leave it blocked for everything else. It lets me turn it on selectively for different sites. So if there's a site that I have to use that needs it, I can turn it off a little bit and figure out what the problem is. And often I can adjust the sliders and say, oh, it's this thing that's causing the problem. Um, Because again, I don't have a problem. If I go to a site, I don't have a problem with the site knowing that I am on their site, consuming their content, and showing me relevant advertisements for that. What I have a problem is that those ad networks then track me beyond those sites. Oh, I hate those, it. It's yeah. only the following around me. Yep. Ah! Those are the things where um, it kind of makes me crazy, but I don't blame the advertisers for buying the ads. I blame the ad networks for creating yeah. a technology and not really giving us control over what's going on. Even if there was a little thing in the side of the ad that just said, you know, uh, upset, you know, if you don't like this follow around thing, click here and we'll stop following you. Give us a chance to work with it. But they don't. Mm-hmm. They just kind of, it's an all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah, my whole thing is, I, you know, I'm just looking at Privacy Badger right now. It's from the EFF. Yep. And I will probably still won't install it. I, I, it bothers me that things follow me around the web. But, but, I, I'm, we're, I'm, we're in this industry where we want that data. We want to be able to check, check, check yep. things. We want to see, get, do the retargeting and all that. And I feel like I'll have this on one day, and I won't be like, why is it not working? Oh, I have this on. Right. So I probably won't install it. But if you want to check it out, it's EFF, EFF.org slash privacy badger. 
It's yep. badger and it's all mean little rodent things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nasty little buggers. So anyhow, how has the NFL, but not the NSA, impacted data gathering well beyond the gridiron? Well, and again, this is another one that I put in there. All the, When we think about uh, the quantified self and all these different things, uh, the NFL now has RFID tags in each shoulder pad, actually two for each player, so that in the stadiums they can track how fast they're running, um, all kinds of different stats, and because of computer and technology, it's really quite awesome what they're doing. Now, and the, the reason I put this in here is, yes, this is a really cool thing that can be done, and it makes sports awesome and new things that people can bet on and all kinds of fun stuff that way. Um, great stats. We are not great endorsing betting. We are not endorsing betting. However, um, the fact that this can be done in such real time and at such a scale should be something that we as employees and employers start considering as people start using RFID tags to track their employees. You know, they get a little security badge that gets them in. Well, that's tracking them and their movements throughout the, uh, the, the workplace. Uh, which is if, neat and creepy. Which is neat and creepy. Um, again, these are the kinds of things where uh, as this technology improves and becomes more pervasive and cheaper and easier to do and smaller, um, we as a people have to get used to it because, you know, you're going to show up for a job at one point and they're going to say, okay, to, in order to work here, you have to wear this while you're here. Or while you're on the job, you wear this thing. And if you don't agree to it, they're going to say, okay, well, bye. Yeah. That's... You know. I mean, the, the way the privacy concerns. I mean, like, if I'm going to a place that's, you know, security clearances and stuff like that, or if there's data, you know, or I have to get in the building, I, they clock me in, they clock me out. Right. I'm not exactly against that because they're saying, well, Seth's in the building. Seth's not in the building. Right. So it's not that big of a deal, but it could get worse. Right. And the fact that the, the kind of pinpoint accuracy that they're able to do, that's oh, where stuff gets um, really... Uh, cool from a sports standpoint, but really creepy from a, wait a second, I might have to wear one of these things and they'll know when I'm in the bathroom. I mean, just the fact well, of... You should have to log in to go to the bathroom. Right. That's, well, that's, that more than, that, that's more disturbing than creepy. Right. Again, just think about it this way. Someone gets up, let's say it's 10.30 in the morning. Someone gets up to have a cup of coffee and for five minutes they chat at the coffee machine with another person about a show that they watched, and then they go use the bathroom for 10 minutes. Next thing you know, they've taken a 20-minute break when they were only allowed to have a 15-minute break, and the nature of this little RFID tag is gonna say, for 23 minutes, you weren't at your desk, and we knew that you went here, and then you went here. Well, Well, you can say, number one, I, I, for that five minutes, it was fine, then I had diarrhea. So right, but the idea, right, but the idea is you have to then, and they'll know you were in the bathroom for that long. They should say, so, they should then check on you, say, is your stomach okay? Are you okay? But, but again, That's think so about creepy. that HR conversation. Like you're talking with your HR director and they're going, you know, we're looking at some of the data reports and we have this thing yesterday where you were doing this and doing this. And can you just explain to us what was going on so that we can properly log this? Because had a very bad burrito. Right. Bad burrito. <laughs> log it. Fine, log it. If you want to log my bowel movements, by all means, go for it. But yes. you're going to have to listen to it. Nothing is sacred. Exactly. Another thing that could be sacred to those Apple lovers out there, and it's our discussion topic of yes. today, a new feature that Howard decided to put in there. A new feature. Um, 
<laughs> Apple announces stuff. How does that affect the product market as a whole? Enlighten us, Howard. Well, so last week, Apple had their announcement, and everybody in the tech industry went, oh, my God, or I don't really care. Because depending on whether you are someone who loves Apple products or someone who doesn't care about Apple products or hates Apple products, whatever it is, but... I've just noticed this thing where the lead up to an Apple event, there's all these tech companies that are trying to get their stuff out there before mm -hmm. Apple, Apple does something. Bum, bum, bum. And then after Apple does something, the press is just all they're talking about is Apple stuff. So there's almost this like everybody in tech knows if it's not an Apple thing, don't bother announcing it between the it's Apple big. event and launch day because no, you're not mm -hmm. going to get any coverage. Um, well, it's glad that they know that because that's, yeah. that's the reality of the thing. I mean, but... but but in their defense, I mean, Apple, sometimes Apple's announcements have been kind of like, really? And I'm not, I'm not an Apple fanboy whatsoever. I mean, I think their products are, are beautiful, and I think they're neat, but I'm an Android and, you know, PC mm -hmm. guy. But, I mean, the fact that they did a 12.9-inch iPad. Yeah. God, I mean, ears perked up. I read about it. I'm like, I will never buy this, but right. nor would I want to lug this around. You know, a 10-inch iPad is probably big enough. But the fact that they went ahead and did that, Steve Jobs is probably rolling over in his grave. What do you mean with the pencil, the stylus? The pencil, yeah, the pencil, and the fact that it's a twelve-inch iPad. That's too big. Well, and I, I looked at that, uh, that device as there's a very particular use case. Mm. It's not my use case. Oh come um, on, Howard, you could find a reason to use that. Come on now. Well, the big thing is. I've, you could justify that. I could absolutely justify it. I've been a person who takes <laughs> notes for years. If they had that pencil work on a like what they didn't announce at that event was a new iPad Air 3, the new 10-inch version. So the 10-inch didn't get an upgrade. They upgraded, they gave you a new iPad Pro, the large one, and the iPad Mini, they got, gave you the the innards of the iPad, the, the latest iPad Air 2 into the iPad Mini 4, I guess is what it is. Who but knows what number? Yeah. But they didn't upgrade the iPad Air 2, and that's the one that I would have, you know, I'm interested in. Like, I need a new iPad. My old iPad is an iPad. It's a iPad. You, want, you don't need, iPad. you don't need, you want. I actually use my iPad almost every single day of my life for many different things, and my current iPad has uh, basically flatlined several times, and I've been able to resuscitate it. Um, oh, it's wow. an old iPad. It is... Uh, what, number two? Number uh, two it is the, the second... A launch, the second iPad that they launched is what I have. All right, it's time for our alchemy. You don't need it. I'm very big on not using the word need. Right. I'm trying to train my son to not use the word need. Right. But um, I'm even calling you on it, and my wife will probably find that funny that I called you on it. But we want it, and you yes. have and you have a need for it. Well, need, and, and the funny thing was, at the, the last time my iPad totally flatlined, I almost got it, and I said, look, I am a month or two away from, because this was in August when it, when it died, and I had to do a, a whole restore and barely got it back, and it's still very, very funky. Um, I used to take notes on my iPad with a, you know, either with the finger or with one of those little, you know, cheapy $5 styli things that you can do on a touchscreen. Um, but because it had gotten so wonky, I can't take notes on it anymore. So mm -hmm. this pencil thing would be great, but I don't want a 13-inch iPad to carry around. That's too big. I can't see you with that. That's too big. Yeah, yeah it's, it's too much. So my use case for the iPad doesn't involve what they just announced. And mm -hmm. even if I were to get the iPad Air 2, which is now a year old, and now I'm going, well, you know, they could at any moment announce an iPad Air 3. With the pen and watch it. Oh, you'll buy pencil. it too. And then they'll right. come out with that. It's just the way exactly. it happens. So there's a part of me that says, all right, go buy the iPad Air 2 now because it doesn't matter. You're not going to get, you know, 
if you try to play the, the time, when is Apple going to release this, you won't know. They've been known to, repl to replace stuff mid-year. And it wouldn't shock me if in March they do an iPad Air 3 that With supports the pencil. Pencil, yeah. um, there's no reason they shouldn't. And maybe the reason they didn't do it this time is because they wanted to say, look, when we upgrade this, we're going to give it a new chip, we're going to give it a new thing, and it's going to support this new 3D touch technology in the pencil. And we don't want to, we don't want people, we want people buying the big iPad. For, you don't want to take away from that. Yeah, exactly. Right. I got you. So, I mean, I know why they did it. It annoys me because I'm falling into that slice of people. That, like, not yet. Not yet. Um, but, if I can manage to get my iPad to last another little bit of time, that would be great. Or go to Gazelle, and, and, and there's Gazelle, your old one, for like five bucks, and probably, you probably get 30 bucks for it because it's an iProduct. And get, yes. get, and get an iPad Pro, whatever, the, one, yeah. the, the, the last year's model of the iPad, yeah. pay less for it, and then when the new one comes out, give that to your kids. Well, I don't know if I'd give it to my kids. It'd probably go to my wife. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, make her. Because she also has an iPad uh, two, the same version that I have. Hers is um, flatlining. And no, hers has been okay. This is one of those things where hers works fine. Um, it doesn't what have. She just probably doesn't be on it like you do. She yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't use it nearly as much. She uses it for email and web surfing and a few apps. Where I use it, my teleprompter runs on it. Um, the notes that I do, tons of different. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's just so much stuff that runs on it. Um, and it would be really nice if when I when the teleprompter was running that it actually tracked at the, at the same speed that it's <laughs> supposed to. So uh, it, it's bad. one of those things where because I use it for production, not just for media consumption and reading and all the stuff that I use it for, mm -hmm. um, I have a little bit of a this has to work properly. Mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't right now and, you know, life is tough. Small violin playing sad music. <laughs> that said, I kind of, you know... I kind of am looking at all the other things that are getting announced, and it's like everyone's trying to steer clear of anything that Apple talked about, um, <clears throat> because you know right now everyone's going to compare it to well, what did Apple do? Mm -hmm. So what would Apple do exactly? Well, let's thank the, our next last sponsor today, Zoho Mail, who we absolutely love. Yes, Zoho Mail is professional email designed for businesses. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm going to make sure to have a clear throat when I do this, um, but. Business class features, business class security, and convenience of the web and mobile experiences. So what we want you to do is to check out Zoho Mail and, and all other kinds of Zoho stuff, but they have a free ad-free account for up to 10 users. So you're a small business and you want professional email that isn't Gmail because you don't want to have ads in it, it's free for up to 10 people. So click on the link in our show notes and check out Zoho Mail. They're pretty awesome. Let's move on to the the plicks, the plicks of the week. No, the picks the picks of the week. Mine is citizenme.com. What is citizenme? Actually, a friend I found. Turns out this is a friend of mine's company. He's based in the UK. His name is Sajin Deacons. It's actually Saint John Deacons, but it's Sajin. Right. It's you know it's citizenme. It's almost a data play where you can opt into answering questions about yourself. To get and get paid for that in mm. rewards or something like that, sort of like the Google Rewards um, survey app that every once in a while will send you money for play credits. It, it's a way of saying you control your data and you can share it how you feel like sharing it. And, and, and your data is valuable, and we want to if we want your data, but we want to pay you back for you giving us your data. Right. So are you a male? Are you between this age group? I got like five points for answering that. 
and this add up to, hey, you can get a free T-shirt or whatever. It's something, but it's saying it's a hat tip saying, thank you for the data. We're going to use it responsibly. But it's a market research tool, but they're making it so that you're not just giving away your data for free. It's, a, it's an interesting concept. I figured cool. I'd try it out because it's a friend. Well, and it's I, in the Play Store and the App Store. So I, links are in the show notes. Well, and the big thing there that's important is if I'm going to give up my data, it's nice to get paid for it in a way that I'm okay with. You can choose to do this or not. And it's, you yeah. know, it's like market, you know, market research studies. People get paid to do market research studies. So here you go. Get yeah. paid a little bit. Yeah. Um, could you earn a living on it? Probably yeah. not. But could you earn a few bucks? Sure, why not? You can, you can get some more swag from it. You know. Exactly. Not swag. 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 You swag. And all right, Howard, here's a shameless plug pick for Shameless Howard. plug time. So um, now is the time for, uh, for people who I've talked to. Um, my course is almost ready to launch. And by almost ready to launch, I mean in the biggest almost ready to launch. I'm in final editing. It is, I am working so hard. But here's the thing. My free course, my Tips for an Effective LinkedIn Profile course, is free. Now, some people have said to me, oh, well, I'm not ready to take it. Well, here is what I would say. Most of the people I know who are interested in the courses that I'm creating are really interested in this big LinkedIn course, which is uh, the, the fancy title is Powerful Social Sales with LinkedIn. It is a very, very cool course that is all about prospecting and using your LinkedIn contacts and, and really turning your LinkedIn you know, turning LinkedIn into a sales tool. Well, in order to make that sales tool work, you need to have a great profile. So I have this free course. Anybody who's enrolled in the free course, they're going to get a coupon code right before the course, the, the paid course launches. And that coupon code is an insane discount. It's, I believe it's a, it's about half of the cost. Um, wow. it is a, it is a ridiculous discount. So I've said to people, look, be in the free course so that you can get the coupon code. There's a limited number of those coupon codes that are going to work. So this is not a, hey, if you, are, if you enroll in the free course, I'll give you a coupon code. The answer is this. Everyone who's enrolled in the free course will get an email on a certain day that says, here's the coupon code. It will work between now and a certain day. And there's a limited number of them. So go for it. Yeah. If you're not in the free course, you won't know about it, and I'm not going to say that coupon code or put it out anywhere unless you're in that course. That is for the people that have enrolled in the course, and I, I am doing it because a lot of people who have enrolled in the course have given me good feedback and comments and things that have really helped me make the new course even better. So that's my story. Go check it out. You can actually just go to howardyermish.com, and there's a link on the on the homepage that has the big, it looks like this, thing that says tips for an effective LinkedIn profile. It's actually, it's going to look a whole lot like that. So if you see that, click that, and then you would go, then go over here and you would see on the site, you would click on the enroll now button. And it's really, really simple to do and it's free. Go do it. Bravo. Bravo. So enough of my shameless plug. And you're more welcome to do it. So we want to hear from you. Email us at info at phillytech.org. Tweet us at phillytech underscore org or to call us at 908-758-3248 and leave us a voicemail. We'll play it on the show and we want to hear from you guys. Very cool. All right. Howard, this has been great. Uh, as always, actually, yeah. You actually cured most of my migraine, surprisingly. You even actually made it worse and made it better. So thank you, Howard. I appreciate it and I'm glad that you're feeling better and uh, keep hydrating. Oh, my God. <laughs> hydrate. Hydrate. I'm walking around with my, my cycling bottle all the time. 
That's the hardest thing was that because of this stupid migraine, I've not been able to be on my bike for two days. Yeah. And that kills me because I usually go out every day. So go figure. All right, guys. Hydrate and be well. We'll see you next week with Jody. Take care. Bye-bye.